Let me tell you what this political movement is about. Jobs and growth for all Australians. Don jobs and growth. Have great jobs. Economic growth. Strong growth. More jobs. When they go low, we go high. So I'm seeing in my mind something very similar with this bill to a colonoscopy. Let me just stop you so you don't waste a line of questioning. I'm just giving you... I love the mansplaining. I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. Please clap. Please clap. This is Represent. 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 On Nation. Good afternoon. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. I'm Julia. I'm Tash. I'm Maria. On today's show, we'll be looking at the push for a second referendum on Scottish independence. We'll be giving you an overview of the Dutch election, which occurred last Wednesday. And we'll also take a look at South Australia's energy plan. You can get involved too. Follow us on Twitter at SinRepresent or or participate on our emoji polls on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. But before we get or go any further, we're going to listen to Amy Shark with Weekends. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. was Amy Shark with Weekends. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. So let's get straight to it. Um, the push for Scottish independence um, has become much more increasing in the past year, especially f- since um, the second referendum has been stated by um, as a potential by... Um, Nicole Sturgeon, who on the 13th of March 2017 announced that she would seek Scottish Parliament's approval to negotiate with the UK government for a Section 30 order enabling the second independence referendum, um, which she said would take place around either autumn of 2018 or spring of 2019. Um, And this is coming um, from Brexit, which had... Um, Scottish voters um, much more um, much more into the um, stay category with 62% of votes going to remain in the EU and the majority of voters in every local area were in the majority of people who wanted to remain in the EU. Um, so a lot of um, this like is increasingly like seen as like creating more tension and more of a, um, you know, um, ammunition in towards um, being part of, like, the referendum. So what I did um, to kind of get into it is I decided to talk to a local Scot in our, like, in Melbourne. Um, her name's Ellis Finney, who we I talked to to discuss the push in the country and what it would mean for Scots all around the globe. Enjoy. I just wanted to first ask you a few questions generally on the Scottish referendum. So did you or your fair vote in the earlier Scottish uh, referendum? Uh, no, neither of my family voted um, because we're currently living in Australia, but um, I had uh, family over in Scotland who did vote for it. 
And the majority of my family, if I recall, were in the uh, no category, although we did have some who voted yes, and that, I do remember, created a bit of a rift. Yeah. It's, um, it was something I remember that was very um, controversial at the time of the first referendum. Yeah. But um, given everything that's happened with Brexit now, I see that more Scottish people are in favour of it, which is really interesting to me, actually. Yeah, I think that's also particularly due to the fact that, you know, they would have to make um, trade deals anyway. Uh, like, one of the fundamental things was having to recreate trade deals with all of the EU nations. And oh, now yeah, that probably, yeah, have to do that now. Um, so do you think that um, there's going to be a rise in perhaps people supporting Scottish independence? I think that since Brexit, it's given... Um I think more people will be more inclined to think that Scotland should be an independent nation. Yes. Um, I think, unless the majority of Scottish people want it, it won't go ahead. But yeah. I have recently seen quite a push in the Scottish Parliament, Parliament to um, go forward with it, and particularly um, Nicola Sturgeon has been quite um, vocal in the press about yeah. a second referendum. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you think that this would, like, personally affect you in any certain way, or...? Um, that is actually something I've thought about a lot. Um, I'm not too sure. It wouldn't affect me as an Australian citizen, certainly, yeah. but, um, I know, um, making Scotland an independent country, I'm not sure how that would affect my status as a British citizen living overseas. Yeah, um, particularly with passports and, you know, do you define yourself as still a United Kingdom... Um, citizen, or do you represent yourself as um, the new Scottish state? Getting all that paperwork together, yeah. A hundred percent, it'll be an absolute bugger to get the paperwork together. <laughs> yeah. speaking with Alice Finney. <laughs> um, yeah. So what I think is really interesting about this is, um, so in September of 2014, Scotland voted to remain in the UK, which was 55% to 45%. But this is obviously a change from the Brexit vote that happened last year. So what do you think of Theresa, uh, Prime Minister Theresa May's comments about um, now not being the time for Scotland to have a referendum? It's kind of interesting wording to sort of put... Um, I don't know. Yeah, wait on one yeah. country and not the other. Well, um, even Nicole Sturgeon um, told the BBC that she actually agrees with um, Theresa May's comments because she's not proposing one at this current time. She sees it as being financially, um, in like, destabilizing. Yeah. Um, 
there won't be as much stability if she were to do it now. And there's also a lot of tension and political discourse. Like, even if you um, see what happened before Brexit um, with, like, riots and stuff like that um, in Glasgow and such. Um, So what she said is that we're setting out when we think it would be right. However, like... So she's she's agreeing with it and she want like she agrees that it's not the time but it will be the time and that's why she's like referencing as I said earlier um to do it between like the autumn of 2018 or the spring of 2019. Well Brexit's only going to like uh it's due to be implemented in like 2 weeks I think. Yeah. So but that's I feel not like a long time like 2018's yeah. next year and a country is just getting used to being separated from a union they've been a part yeah. of for years. Yeah. For I feel like it also to an extent it's better in the sense that they know what it like it will be like without like with um British involvement and such. Yeah, I just don't know if um uh, like 2018, if um, she's saying that like it's not, um, it's like too soon now. Mm. 2018, it just doesn't seem like that long away. Yeah. So it's just weird. But I also think um, it's interesting that it would be illegal for the Scottish government or this um, Scottish Parliament to call a referendum without the authority of Westminster. Yeah. Well, there's like, there's. There's still, like, a block of the vote, but she can also um, take the consideration of rejecting um, UK's mandate of even, like, having the referendum, which kind of in itself is kind of, like, opposing what the referendum is kind of standing for, of, like, working within the political Westminster system in order to, like, be against it. Um, I thought that also be good to mention some of the threats Mm -hmm. um, that... um, like, the pros and cons between um, having a Scottish referendum. Uh, for one thing, currency. Um, what currency would they use? Would they go to the um, the euro or would they go to the pound? Um, there's also a lot of uncertain economic... Like, in making... if You've even seen, like, Trump um, and Brexit. There's been, like, st- like, instability within, like, the financial sector through that. Um, not as much as we've seen, but we don't know what would happen in that sense. So we have to be very strategic. Um, also, there's um, yeah, the, it, there's also like a threat that there would be a greater divide within Scotland if like we bring this to attention. Um, like the yes and no divide. Yeah, the yes yeah. and no divide where people, <coughs> um, depending on what they politically like think, yeah. are kind of put brushed onto two sides but then it also creates like a good political identity and um there's even things such as um the north sea um which is a area of like underneath scotland which basically has a lot of oil and a lot of scottish um scottish um leaders and like parties have kind of talked about that and thinking that perhaps London and like England has taken advantage of natural resources and perhaps if Scott like Scotland took over um and claimed like separation from the UK they would be able to use it effectively and there's also things like um no more nuclear weapons 
Um, and then perhaps like social welfare reforms. So like things that are more, depending on how the economy goes, of course, but they've promised a lot more things if there were. It's really yeah. interesting because I remember when um, Scotland was ha- were having their leave or stay vote yeah. and I was kind of, obviously I didn't really know what was happening um, as much as yeah. now, but I remember saying like, oh, I can't imagine choosing to leave because the amount of, I don't know, the economic um, like Yeah, the threat, stress. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it like the right time? Is this something we really want to be focusing on? And then Brexit happens, and, and it's then just everyone's like, like, "Well, I know, may as well vote now." <laughs> like, yeah, it's, like it's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't seem so big anymore. Like, yeah, the whole idea of it doesn't seem like that much of an issue because mm. it seems more like a way of them getting out quickly scheme, kind of in a yeah. sense. Like, well, it makes well, sense. it's gonna fail eventually. Like <laughs> they're like Brexit, so it at makes least, sense yeah. for them to be able to um like have this referendum if Brexit like was able to happen um but i think it's um also kind of like conflicting that brexit kind of only just slid past like it wasn't yeah. a majority vote uh majority yes so i just wonder how this will happen like this will um work in the future and it'll be also interesting there was like an 88 percent turnout um of scottish people for the first referendum so it'd be interesting to see if there's that much of a pull of people like that's an unprecedented like pool of people yeah. for like any voting kind of thing in Scotland. So it'd be interesting to see if there's any um, other things. Yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see yeah. what um, what happens. But I can't imagine being in charge of that because that's <laughs> too much. Yeah. Um, so, dear listener, do you think that there should be another referendum held on Scottish independence? Tweet at Tweet your thoughts to us at SinRepresent or participate in our emoji poll on facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. We'll be back very soon to discuss the fallout of the Dutch election, so stay tuned as we play No Running From Me by Toulouse. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. Just heard Toulouse with no running from me. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. Um, so the election in the Netherlands happened this sa- uh, not Saturday, um, Wednesday. It's a bit of an interesting Wednesday. day for an election on the Wednesday. Um, and basically, mainly what happened was um, Mark Root, who was already currently the Prime Minister of um, the Netherlands, um, maintained his position. But there was a lot of... Um, a lot of interesting things happened aside from that, yeah. Do you guys have any questions to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> I was, what I was reading up on and I thought was really interesting was that although Gert Wilders... Wilders um, I think it's Wilders. Lost. We should have a pop chat about how do you pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> We've got enough What sounds chat. like the most Dutch? Gert. Yeah, I mean, like, how, how like, Wilders. Wilders. Gert Wilders. Okay. Okay. Like <laughs> going into wrong territory. Anyway. Yep. Um, so I was reading up on it a lot and just talking about, uh, like, people were talking about how, um, because he didn't win, um, he didn't necessarily fail. I mean, he came in second and I think he won wow. 20 seats. <laughs> 
did he win 20 seats? He won yeah, exactly he won 20, 20 seats. seats. So that was in comparison to the 33 seats that um, the main party BBD. won. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I was just... Do you think that this means that he didn't win or that becoming second is basically a win in itself? Um, so I guess the thing is that throughout last year and going into this year, um, there's been a really big focus on, um, I guess, the rise of the right wing and um, what that means. Um, this is of, of course, got to do with um, Trump partially due to Brexit as well. Like Some people associate right-wing policies with Brexit, but mm. some people don't. That's a more complicated... Like I feel like Brexit's incredibly complicated. You can't just talk about it as a... a just to kind of dismiss it as saying, oh, that's just right-wing... Um, right-wing populism, populism is very yeah. contentious. Populism is so hot right now. I mean, because there were definitely lots of left-wing people who were interested in Brexit as well, but that's another story. Um, the thing is, winning 20 seats is quite a feat, and... Um, Many it, <laughs> but I think it is like it might not be I feel like a lot of people since Trump reckon that you know big shifts to the right look as dramatic as you know Trump becoming president um, that's not necessarily the case I still feel like there is a they hold a lot of power but it's also worth noting that a lot of smaller parties on the on the left or far left um are also they have also made quite a yeah, quite a foothold in in the parliament um now these aren't one big group so we don't have like one big far left party but you have lots of little parties that are on yeah, the left yeah like a lot of european countries have a lot of like um variety of like um variety of parties because they're not, um, you know, majority parties. There's a lot of, like... And I think that's a good thing because at least a lot of people are more represented, I guess. Yeah. Because I mean, we're all about represent here. <laughs> I think it's worthwhile <laughs> noting that, like, the Socialist Party won about 14 seats, as did Green Left with a person that we'll be discussing later oh, on. Yeah. Um, and the Labour Party... I love it how they're literally called the Green Left. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then the Labour Party um, won about nine seats. So... What is it? Fourteen plus fourteen plus nine. There, there. That's all fairly mm. left wing, and I can't mm. do. I can't. It's do just that a lot. <laughs> but like, that, I mean, I'm saying that like, there is quite a lot of left to far left. Um, you know, people who won seats. Um, they aren't united, but that means that there there are more of them than there are of um, Wilder's party. Yeah, I guess it's like. Liberals and the Green, uh, Liberals and the Greens, Labour and the Greens, and it's a bit like like. it's a bit like Labour and the Greens, but also some people who are much more left wing than the Greens. Yeah, like the party um, functions, like the partnerships and slide deal. But I feel like if we're going to talk transpose this to like um, Australian parties, and it's a bit weird to say that um, Party for Freedom is like one nation. I feel like that might be a little bit reductive, but it is a little bit like if. you know, the the Liberal Party win and they win quite comfortably and then, um, you know, One Nation is second. That's kind of what it's still like. Mm. But at the same time, um, there's going to be a lot of opposition. Um, I feel like that, that it kind of shows that there is quite a lot of um, division 
within this country. And I feel like this is really not not only common in Europe and in America, but also like in Australia, definitely. Um, we are seeing a lot of... Um, so there's a splinter group or a, a faction in the Greens that have, that's that's come into light recently called um, Left Renewal. So there are there's a push to the right, but there's also definitely a push to the left as well, um, which just basically means it's becoming a much more polarised political space. Well, that's why I think, like, this is ilin- this little interesting. This election was interesting <laughs> because... Um, interesting. <laughs> that sounds like a cool some, word, though. Um, so clum- some claimed... Oh, my God! <laughs> Some claimed it was a bellwether election because, um, you know, we have a lot of elections coming up this year with France and Germany. um, So that this election sort of would foreshadow how the other elections would um, turn out if because we have like such right wing parties like Maria. I feel like like people have kind of made out that there is some kind of right, like far right revolution happening. And I know don't think i feel like it's a bit of a cop out like they always like mention like the domino effect like throughout mm. and every time they like they get worried about the domino effect such as like things like movements like communism and such it never actually is as it bad as you like think it is I it's just it's... like it's shown in like a major way somewhere but not as like the whole like it's definitely a phenomenon though phenomenon. Yeah, i, I definitely say, i think it's de- we should it, i don't think we should just um like cut it off yeah. completely because it is we see it with trump we've seen it with one nation we've seen it in the dutch elections and in france like every there is this like um victimized right wing that's sort of standing up saying I want to be able to offend whoever I want yeah, no matter yeah, what yeah, yeah. so that is something that we sh- you know you should definitely I think, pay attention I think to. what it is is that people think it's like people saw Trump and that was like surprising no one really well I thought it was going to happen but that's just me yeah I thought that yeah. Um, but a lot of people didn't think I it was, was still in denial yeah, you're, still, you're called, still in denial. No, I was like, you're still thinking it's like going to be sworn in soon, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, the thing is that um, not like it's still a phenomenon. They're gonna, they're, you're not going to get rid of Gert. Gert is is still very much a big player in Dutch politics. Mm. Um, and even if Marine falls on her. Yeah, even if Marine Le Pen falls on her on her sword in um, the or French election, pen, whatever she chooses. Okay, the pen is like um, sword. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you know she'll still be around, and you know as we've seen um, in Western Australia last year, uh, not last year, gosh, last week. <laughs> Feels like um, <laughs> you know it's it's even though they did not succeed in any way that they thought they would succeed, um, doesn't mean that they're going away. Um, mm. But it. What we, I feel like there's been on both sides, you know, I feel like a lot of the right wing people are thinking, yes, this is going to happen, it's going to be glorious, it's going to be huge. And also a lot of far lefties are being like, no, it's going to be, they're going to win, it's going to be terrible. Um, it's actually, I feel like it's like this kind of slow integration and a slow polarization because the left is getting more more to one side and the right's beginning more to one side and that's just it's going to be how it is for a while mm, it's like this massive standoff i think also um part of the reason why we've seen such a resurgence of far right um discussion is because you know there's been a level of taboo about what they say and there hasn't really been much of a discussion about what they say it's just like yep yeah, no delete go away but they've come back and then we have to you know actually discuss things with them mm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing um, yeah, like I guess 
like part of politics is just being able to compromise you know exactly on your different like beliefs in order for the greater good depending on what the greater good is supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah 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 i uh on q a recently i i don't even remember who spoke but they said <laughs> so- something about um which i thought was interesting that the political correctness and this is going into right wing so i feel bad for like deviating from dutch but um that you know people who say who call political correctness and are really like offended by the idea of people being offended is basically just people um like not wanting to be polite just to other groups like I just Mm -hmm. the way she put it uh was really interesting because it was really like it's a simple thing um mainly when people say oh we're all offended and political correctness it's basically because they can't make a joke of a minority group that it's just not funny anymore Mm. yeah like I feel like there's also you know it comes back to like some of those ideas of like I don't see color like it's almost (laughs) so like you're trying to be polite but it's also kind of like you're dismissing like the whole identity or like the whole point of like being polite you know what I mean like yeah. as in you're kind of um you're dismissing people's ideas and dismissing and you're trying to be politically sound but or like have like you know socially that sounds sound. like a naive and then, um that sounds like a naive opinion i don't see color that yeah. reminds me no like, like yeah. people actually do say that though yeah anyway anyway um, back to such election <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah it was a really interesting election um but I feel like the main things, if we're going to talk about this as a bellwether, um, yes, the the far right in Europe is, you know, they're not dead. They're not going to be dead for a long time. I feel like um, they're going to be a very important fixture in um, not only European politics, but also um, global politics in general. Um, but at the same time, they're not quite as powerful or as revolutionary as we think that they will be. And again, we need to also remember that there is a lot of different far-left movements. They're a little bit more um, factional, but they definitely exist. And Yeah, I guess we do put a lot of F- uh, emphasis on the right and forget that... Because I feel like yeah, right-wing, a lot of right-wing parties do have a populist background uh, platform where... Um, it's less ideological, more people will just go into the one group. Mm. Whereas I know that uh, just generally in left-wing parties, there's there's a bit more um, of an ideological stance and people are more likely to fracture because there might be certain things that people disagree with and certain focuses that people have. So some, some left-wing people are more focused on workers' rights and others mm. are more focused on social issues and sometimes they don't quite mit- map. They don't necessarily (laughs) mix very well. So you've got more factionalism. But basically, if we're going to say anything, it's definitely a very polarised political... political environment mm. Mm. shall we go to a song now? yes <laughs> we are going to go to Halsey with not afraid anymore you're listening to represent on sin nation was Halsey with Not Afraid Anymore. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. So um, this week we had some 
Interesting political news. Uh, South Australia announced or unveiled their energy plan, which includes building Australia's largest battery storage facility that would essentially, it stores wind and sun energy, and that will be funded from a $150 million renewable energy technology fund. They also um, unveiled in the plan that a new gas power plant um, will be brought up, which is going to cost around $360 million. So that's to help when... um, backup powers required, which South Australia would know a lot about needing. Um, Landowners will receive 10% in state royalties if gas wells on their property are utilised, which was recently praised by Barnaby Joyce. So there's a lot of, um, you know, there's new energy security targets in this new plan. Um, So it's mostly state advocated and not, um, you know, incorporating the federal government. So what was interesting was that there were clashes um, between... Energy um, Minister Josh Frydenberg and South Australia's Premier um, Jay Weatherall uh, at a press conference, which made for great um, politics. So if you didn't see it, I would I would suggest you uh, you watch it. Um, it's kind of awkward and fun. Um, so the South Australia's half a billion dollar plan was announced. Um, so there was lots of criticism from the Prime Minister and Josh Frydenberg uh, over the decision to um, use their own state energy uh, and like bypass the federal government, um, even though the federal government has kind of not really helped out South Australia mm. in the past. So um, we're going to give you a little taste of what happened, but you should watch the video because it's really funny. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> well, here is a bit of... Maybe uh, Tom will be the next Premier uh, (laughs) of South Australia uh, because I think after Jay Weatherall's conduct today, uh, the public uh, would think uh, that is pretty unbecoming, pretty childish and pretty uh, unacceptable uh, for a a, uh, a senior political figure of this state to behave. I've got to say, it is a little galling to be standing here next to a man that's been standing up with his Prime Minister bagging South Australia at every step of the way over the last six months to be standing here on this occasion, him suggesting that we want to work together. It is a disgrace the way in which your government has treated our state is the most anti-South Australian government we have seen from a Commonwealth government in living memory. I'm sick and tired of getting uh, these criticisms across the airwaves from uh, the eastern states about South Australia. We can't wait for a Snowy Mountain scheme in four to seven years' time. We have a plan to make South Australia self-sufficient, to stand on our own two feet today. The uh, Premier trying to come into this to crash tackle us at this announcement where he hasn't put any money into this important initiative, which the Commonwealth and the AGL have, uh, just shows you, unfortunately, how desperate he is. The Prime Minister should be commended for his leadership, for his investment in such a nation-building project. And I actually think it reflects very poorly on the Premier that he has to engage in this type of petty politics. So that was Energy Minister Josh Frydenberg ending that um, press conference. Um, So it was a really interesting build-up because, you know, you almost thought it was politics as usual and then all of a sudden you can see Jay Weatherall's head sort of like turning to Josh Frydenberg like what what and then like lots of fire emoji yeah so 
called a lot of shirt fronting. I don't know if it was really shirt fronting. I hate that like, word. It just reminds word me of because the only reason it was ad- added was because of like the way Abbott used it. Yeah, now everyone Putin. just sees it as like a thing that people say, but, but they don't. Yeah, it was it was kind of refreshing to see politics like so beefy. Um, yeah, <laughs> out there. It wasn't like uh, hidden rhetoric. It was just honest. Like you guys suck, and then you, you guys, guys suck. suck. <laughs> <laughs> like cool. I mean, um, it's it's a bit difficult, isn't it? Because it's just there's a lack of tact, but at the same time, like you know, Frydenberg was was saying all these things basically next to Jay Oil. Yeah, like what yeah. Was his, his but thing? I feel like it definitely um, it definitely shows that um, there needs to be a bit more. A bit more class, actually, between um, between the federal and state governments, mm. especially as uh, since WA has become a Labour government. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of states that are yeah. now Labour. It's kind of strange. Um, yeah. Sorry, I think the only states that are still... New South Wales? New South Wales mm. and I think Tasmania. I'm not sure. Um, but the majority... so. Victoria, South Australia, Northern Territory, Queensland. Well, well Northern Territory state. doesn't really yeah. count, but still. Um, <laughs> but not, it, it they are labour-held. They count. are labour-held, though. Northern um, Territory. <laughs> and um, Western Australia are all... Territories matter. Yeah. but they <laughs> All territories matter. <laughs> um, but they are now all labour governments and we have a liberal federal government and that means that tension. there needs to, there is going to be tension, but at the same time, the tension needs to yeah, they need to have be separated. Like, you know, bipartisanship. You know, well, like, this is in accordance with like things that don't like. I feel like it's not in their like jurisdiction. Like in the constitution, it's written, you know, concurrent, residual, and like executive powers and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. They are so separate. I'm going back to primary school, y'all. Go, yeah. <laughs> Go primary school. Um, but I think that it's, like, important to, you know, truly, like, <coughs> acknowledge the fact that they're, like, stepping out of line sometimes when they're saying, um, you know, this is ridiculous, you can't do this. And it's only just because they think that because they have most of the funding is coming towards, like, the federal government and they de- delegate that sometimes to the state, they feel like they have power over them. Which well, there think... are legal issues. Yeah, in exactly. It. So that... But this has been go- a, a, an ongoing conflict. Yeah. Um, last last year, oh my God, um, Jay Weatherall went... Uh, he quoted the Prime Minister, back to the Prime Minister at a COAG meeting in 2016 regarding renewable energy and South Australia's concern that the government had side sidelined these issues. I think um, there was a policy about um, like a carbon tax type policy that was going to be put out and then it was taken back. So they've kind of been mucked around a bit. And so I guess South Australia has um, perceived the coalition's action as a sort of desertion of sorts. Yeah. So it's not surprising that they would make um, this a state call rather than a federal call. And yeah, I guess the communication is... It's not only a social issue, it's a, in the political parties. Yeah, because it's not... Open dialogue yeah. needs to be happening a bit more. And it, it is interesting how um, go the federal beyond, government... Like, I don't know, they need to go beyond the parties, I guess. I, but also it is interesting how the federal government have looked at South Australia and its issues with, um, with energy and kind of used that as a tactic for them to 
discuss things and it's just a little bit like seriously seriously mm. anyway is it time for another song yes it is time for another <laughs> song um this is black and blue by travis county you're listening to represent on sin nation Ryan Adams with Blank Space. And before that was um, Gary Clark Jr. with yeah. Travis County. Yeah. Yeah. And Perfect. you're listening to represent on <laughs> Sin Nation when it is now time for Pop Chat, which is our favourite segment. Yes. Yeah, I think it's everyone's favourite segment. <laughs> it's like dessert. It is like dessert. Yeah. It's like the aftertaste after all the political stuff. So oh my God, I stopped. <laughs> I'm That's sorry, not what pop chat is. Pop chat's <laughs> in the political space. Pop chat is I, a I cherry on the Sunday. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, we, you know how we really like talking about um, politicians. When we judge politicians, we usually, you know, we judge them on what's important, like um, how they look like in a suit. We um, respect <laughs> them greatly, Maria. We, we but respect them <laughs> incredibly. Like, if you, if, you, if you were in the studio, you would see that I'm, like, scrolling through, like, my phone, like, semi trying to ignore, like, this, <laughs> this what's discussion. going to go down now. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but we, Julia, please we, tell us We about. really, really need to start talking about um, a, a guy called um, Jesse Klaver. He is... Um, the leader of Groin Links or Green Left in um, in Dutch. It does have a nice ring to it in Dutch. Yeah, mm. it does. Um, and he looks a little bit like someone we know. And yeah, he's respect. got some resemblance. Some to resemblance, Justin um, Trudeau. Yeah, um, we're gonna be posting on Facebook page. Yeah, but just be prepared for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you prepared when you saw him? No. <laughs> I was not prepared. You were not prepared. Justin Trudeau is obviously one of a kind. And then the Dutch throw this at me. Yeah. (laughs) He looks like a really lovely guy too. Like I just, it makes me happy to see lefties being so freaking suave. Okay. (laughs) Okay. They're there. Um, So yeah, he is interesting. He's only 30. Which is pretty I love it amazing. How you've gone from age and appearance, you haven't talked anything about. <laughs> no, no, it's like, pretty. It's pretty amazing for someone to be a leader of a party. Yeah, but what are their policies? We don't this have to chat. go. <laughs> um, his policies. Not everything very... has to be so in depth. <laughs> well, maybe I enjoy that. Like, I would like to be enlightened about what he does. Okay, I, well, I'm getting to that. Don't worry. Next Saturday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about him right now. I'm talking about his life and who he is and why we think he's interesting. Anyway, so he. He he's only thirty, which is a really like interesting thing because, you know, usually like it takes time to like takes time to get yeah, yourself up the party ranks, and yeah. he's already there. He has a wife and two kids. Sorry, Tash. Um, <laughs> and um, his dad is Moroccan, and his mum is Dutch Indonesian, and that's was quite important throughout the election because obviously there's quite a lot of um, anti-immigration sentiment from people like Gertz who we should also talk about Gertz hair like his hair needs to have like his own own life you know yeah like Like, Twitter account like you know it's pretty amazing it's pretty Um, like 
I know that this is not about policy, Maria, and we're talking about Gert. It's some pop chat. Think... It's allowed to be light. We're allowed to have some fun. Yeah, we politics. are allowed to have some fun with politics. Politics is Politics fun. is all around fun. Yeah, but I saw Gert walking with all his security and his hair I was, you were like, like, impeccable. Um, his like, his security was, like, pushing cameramen away and he's like, no, there's a wall. You're not coming near him. And his hair was like, this is life. Exactly. It was, it was impressive. It's. I mean, a lot of politics is about what you do with your hair. I mean, like, look yeah. at Trump. Look at Trump. Exactly. His hair is, like, his <laughs> own administration. I'm just letting you guys have this. Thanks. Yeah, yes, let us have this. Um, I also... Sorry. Yeah, you go. I wanted to talk about the White House press secretary because I think... Because we're talking about going from hair and going to clothes. To ties. Yeah. Because <laughs> the tie... His tie has been, like, a big thing. Um, like, with Trump's tie, it's, like, it's really long and they're just... They've, they've got an odd combo. Anyway, so with St. Saint Patrick's Day, um, the press secretary, Sean Spicer, wore a green tie and, you know... You don't really wear green when you're going to appear on TV because it's basically a green screen. So some person on Twitter, a legend, (laughs) he edited the tie like green screen style and put like um, Jack Nicholson from The Shining. He put an atomic bomb and then he had like tunnel vision of Sean Spicer talking (laughs) on his tie. And it was like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So I thought that was just like the best political meme thing is it a meme like just that's a meme video or a meme it's a meme it's a meme it's a meme it's funny my mom like the first time like she tried to like say meme she said meme and then i was like that's so cute anyway my mom anyway <laughs> very dank meme such dank memes very yeah. dank um and another thing that has happened this week is and this is more close to home um has been controversy over cooper's beer Mm. Um. So let's let's just all like chill out and let's. It's pretty. It's pretty. Let's chill it's pretty, out. Yeah. <laughs> let's just take it light. Um, oh no, oh, you didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> um. Anyway, that was, like, that was the best. I know it's a very big deal when a whole bunch of Australians are boycotting a band of a brand of beer. I yeah. Mean, that really just means that people are a little bit pissed off about something. But yeah. let's just go right back to the beginning. Um. So there. So. The Bible Society, I think that was called, yes, yeah. the Bible Society, um, had a a discussion between um, Andrew Hasty and Tim Wilson and Corey Bernardi. He was in there, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. Not that I know of. It was it was Andrew Hasty. Ah, oh, okay. Um, but similar, like pretty hard right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> they had a discussion about gay marriage. Obviously, Tim Wilson was for it. Uh, Andrew Hayton was against it and at the end they kind of clinked beers and were like we agree to disagree um, and the beers that they happened to have was Cooper beer Yeah, and um, basically a lot of people got very very angry to the point where people were boycotting it um, there's a gay bar in Melbourne called Circuit and they um, showed a video of just like throwing out all this like Cooper's beer. <laughs> yeah, but still, in the like, street. didn't they buy it already? So like, yeah, but, yeah, but like, the yeah. point in protesting. There's a yeah. yeah. So they were like, we aren't, we aren't going to sell Cooper's beer. Um, Cooper's have come out saying that they had no involvement with the Bible Society's video. Um, it just they just so happened to use Cooper's beer and kind of made jokes about you know it being a light beer and whatnot, but. Yeah. If that's the case, they could, like, somewhat sue. For defamation. Yeah. It's, but it's complicated. Yeah, also, like, you know, you can't 
advertise a brand without like its permission. Exactly. And that's not that's not just like a little news article. That's like an advertisement, basically. Yeah. And an endorsement of some sort, like unwarranted. So Cooper's um, had this statement, which will come up in a second. But it's a really complicated issue, and I feel like a lot of times with boycotts, you know, people hear about it, it becomes a big thing, and um, you know, a bit of drama. Yeah, yeah. lots of dramas. Anyway, um, that is all we really have time for today on Represent. Um, you can we'll be back again next Saturday um, from 3 to 4 p.m. as we normally are on Sin Nation and we also podcast. You might be listening to us right now on iTunes mm. um, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sin Represent throughout the week. We'll be sharing some interesting content throughout the week as well. I'm Julia. I'm Tash. I'm Maria. And you've uh, and thank you for listening. You're listening to Sin um, Nation. Represent.